Hello, friends, and welcome to a golf podcast unlike any other. This is Fairway Rollin' on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. Every week on Fairway Rollin', it is myself and our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard, talking all things professional golf, amateur golf, amateur betting, professional betting, amateur drinking, professional drinking by birdie buddies. If you want to hit them straight out there, please check out Fairway Rolling every week. Available on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark, joined on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon by Benjamin Solak. Ben, hello. What's up, Kev? How are we doing? We are doing something different. 50 days wow. until the regular season begins. Camp starts this week for a bunch of teams. The Las Vegas Raiders reported to camp, I think, today, yep. July 20th. Josh um, McDaniels, be, baby. Fern, early bird gets the worm. Cracking the whip, baby. Cracking the whip. Here we go. Um, Vacation's over in Vegas. Although in Vegas, it feels like you can ease into that. Yeah. You can I don't know if vacation's ever over in Vegas. It's not like reporting to St. Joseph, Missouri, you know? Love mm-hmm. our guys in St. Joe. but uh, Latrobe, like Pennsylvania, baby. Come Latrobe, on down. Rochester, Rochester, New York, where, uh, where the Buffalo Bills will be reporting this weekend. I think Jacksonville. It's pretty soon. They're in the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll, be, uh, it's, it, it'll be a great week. So here's what we're doing. 50 days until the season starts. So we're going to do podcasts Monday through Friday with all of us, the entire Ring Around NFL team, where we're going to talk about one subject for 20, 20, 25, 30 minutes and just get in and out and, and solve your problems. You're wondering, for instance, who's going to be the surprise team of the NFL? And we have 25 minutes to tell you. Ben Solak, I went through it this morning. Mm-hmm. I had a tough time with this. I have an answer. I knew your answer coming into it. You had a competitive advantage here, which is that you would sure. tell me what you wanted to do. So I, have, I was kind of picking second. I came up with it. I, this is a top-heavy season. This is a top-heavy season, and this is a, a season about maybe five to eight teams per conference who have injury luck and turnover luck and quarterback luck, and then that will, that will end up determining who wins the conferences. But I think there's a whole bunch of teams who are what we consider real bad, who you can make the case for as a playoff team. Yeah, and I think that top heaviness is an increasing 
reality in an NFL where we like we've talked a lot, especially in the offseason, about like team building constructs and like going all mm-hmm. in and, and kind of figuring out when to compete or whatever. But the reality is that, and like when, when we talk about surprise teams, this is where my mind goes. We are seeing on a yearly basis a team going from worst in their division to first in their division, right? Yes. That at least one of the eight divisions has that pretty much every year. Last year was the Bengals, went from worst to first. The year before that was Washington. 2019 was a year off. But in 2018, there were two teams, the Texans and the Bears. And in 2017, there were two more teams, the Jaguars and the Eagles. And so while top-heaviness is real, there are also divisions that are hotly contested. And there are, like you said, random flips of a coin that kind of throw a division up on, on, on its head. And so, like, yeah, you have your Baltimore Ravens this year who, like, oh, them going first to worst wouldn't be that much of a surprise. Right. But that doesn't are, count. Yeah. Not, that, if, like, right. if anybody on the pod did that, we would get booed. Yes, exactly. And so... To me, like there are teams that I look at last year who are objectively bad, and I can figure out for them a couple coin flips, a couple good breaks their way, how they become like actually objectively good. And that is a fun thing, I think, to kick off like a 50-day preview conversation. I completely agree. I tried to talk myself into certain teams. I just couldn't get there. They either had flaws or holes or, or the, the salary cap was busted. Um, I, I pro- There were probably 10 teams where I was like, eh, maybe, and then I ended up settling on one. Um, I know who yours is, and it, it, I wanted to bring up the, the Burrow comp and kind of who this year's Bengals are, if there is a Bengals, and I mm-hmm. want to tee you up for your team because then we can get into that because I, I, I have a different viewpoint on it. Yeah, so I went through some of those teams that went from worst to first. 27, uh, 2017 Eagles, 2018 Texans and Bears, 2021 Bengals. All of those teams had sophomore quarterbacks. They all mm-hmm. had quarterbacks who came in at the rookie season, got a uh, varying amount of playing time, took their lumps, and then in their sophomore season, took some step forward. Like, Trubisky's in there. So it's not like it's a massive step forward, but still a, a, a significant step forward, such that they were able to kind of take control of, of the division. The Jacksonville Jaguars... Oh, baby! ...have a sophomore quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, who, despite the fact that they lost many games last year, despite the fact that Lawrence's stats, you know, uh, net catch-all stats don't look incredible... They have a sophomore quarterback who's pretty good as a freshman QB. Pretty good as yep. a rookie. And there is a there are plenty of reasons, a myriad of reasons, to assume that you get a sophomore bump in the win-loss column. His receivers are better. Should they have given Christian Kirk and Zay Jones as much money as they did? Probably not. But the fact of the matter when it comes to projecting out wins and losses is they're in the building now. Those are much, much, much better yeah. receivers. Than, They're on the bus. They're yeah, on the bus. If, right. if he can catch passes, no one's going to say, eh, the salary cap. Like, at we least it's something. We're not starting Devon Austin anymore, right? We don't That's have right. to have Laquan Treadwell be our primary target on the outside. Now he's our a depth piece, right? They have Evan Ingram, who's going to be uh, their tight end now with Dan Arnold, who they acquired in the season. Is Ingram the best tight end in the league? No. Is he better than what they had? Absolutely. Got Brandon Sharp for the building. We brought Cam Robinson back. Offensively. You look that you, you take one side of the equation. You look at the nucleus. It's not guns blazing rams. It's not blow your mind talent everywhere. But it's good. It is it is fine. It is above average for the NFL in terms of the offensive nucleus. Mm-hmm. Then you put in a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who sophomore uh, sophomore bump projected was such a good prospect coming out was expected mm-hmm. to be a guy who could acclimate to the league quickly. And you say, all right, well, coaching failed him. Like last last season, Urban Meyer. Daryl Bevel, just like kind of like no clarity of what was going on. Just asking your rookie to like read out coast to coast and like operate from the pocket, five-step drops, no help, right? Distractions on every single Monday, every single Tuesday, just nothing good there. And instead you get the Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, John Filippo nucleus that was in Philadelphia developing Carson Wentz when he in his sophomore season 
took the Eagles to 13-3 and three and had the MVP caliber year or whatever. And you say, all right, we now have guys who know how to bring up young quarterbacks. They have done it before. We have seen this work. Five years ago, we saw them pull this off. And it feels a lot better offensively for the Jaguars. So I think the Jags offense. I think Lawrence is going to be good. I think they have yep. good weapons. I think they're going to be good. The big question for them as the surprise team, as a team that I think has a chance to win the AFC South, is what happens defensively. Because mm-hmm. they have Mike Caldwell, who's a, a longtime NFL uh, positional coach, but it's his first time coordinating a defense. And then ha- they have a ton of additions, right? They they gave big money to Foley Fotokasi, a defensive tackle, big money to Foley Sade Aluakon, linebacker out of Atlanta, and then drafted Devin Lloyd and Chad Mumma in the, uh, two in the first three rounds, linebackers of this past draft. They drafted Trayvon Walker to be another pass rusher, number one overall pick. They signed Darius Williams. They have done a lot to bring new bodies into the defense. And it's a question of how, how all of that coalesces. This is where your coin flips are coming in, right? I think Tennessee's going to take a little bit of a step back. Uh-huh. Lost, lost some receivers. Think offensively, they're not going to be the Plus same. Plus, you hate the Titans to begin with. Yeah, which, you know, obvious. Uh, so if you can get some good breaks on the defensive additions, right? Walker hits. Lloyd hits. Fatukasi hits. Yep. And then you can get a win over the Colts that you probably don't deserve. But hey, they did that last year, brother, and it was sick. You're <laughs> sitting right there as a team that, all right, this, this division does not have like a 13-win yeah. team. You are hanging around for the entirety of the season. And again, it's a couple breaks and we're good. And so I think Jacksonville's offseason of surprising decisions, $20 million to Christian Kirk, number one overall well, pick, Trayvon Walker, is obscuring yeah, the I, I was just about, I was about to say, like, yeah. it's funny because if you look at the roster, you're like, oh, this is okay. Then you look at the price tag associated with every single move. You're like, oh, you feel much worse. But that's yes. not what we're deciding. That's like, not the right. Exactly. That, Trayvon that, Walker is a good acquisition. Is he a good acquisition in the first overall pick? Eh, but who cares? In this, in this question, in this question, we're not trying to. Yes. Nobody's handing out. This is not the team builder awards. Okay. This is the. This is the. Can this we is the, win more games than we used to. Is the team be better? Winning? Yes. And I think because Trent Baalke being retained was a little embarrassing, and because the Christian Kirk contract was a little embarrassing, and the Trayvon Walker pick was a little embarrassing. There's kind of like a public consensus of like, yeah, the Jags are just gonna like win a couple games this year and they'll still be bad. And they're like, like I keep I see them on all these previews. Like the Jags are still a couple years away. I did, they got they got adults in the building. Like I think they're going to be a difficult team to beat, a legitimately yeah. good team. I think that they're going to be around 500. And I think that that gives them the ability to then push for like a 10 and seven season and a win in a crummy AFC South. Okay, so the Jaguars were my first thought when we we decided to do this exercise. Lawrence was a little more, I mean, he, he was locked in on his first read last year. He forced throws. He had, I think, a top 10 for rookies, uh, top 10 worst turnover-worthy throw percentage, like in the PFF era. Like, he, he really did throw the ball recklessly, but that was, I think, part of it was he just had, and we saw the numbers, there were so many perfectly covered plays because the receivers just weren't very good. Right. Like that was mm-hmm. I, I really do think I, I'm not one of these people who looks at the roster and makes a bunch of excuses for quarterbacks. I think that every quarterback should be able to show you something. But I really do think that was a complete nightmare last year. Urban Meyer was just an at like a top five worst hire of my lifetime. Um, and yes. I, I don't I, I think that Lawrence could not rise above that. I don't think Patrick Mahomes could have risen above that if he were a rookie this year. Um, he had pocket presence. His pressure to sack rate, according to PFF, was 14%, which is one of the lowest in uh, among rookies ever. Uh, he knew kind of how to operate there. And he's got points. And I think that there's there's something that I saw last year. Where I was like, okay, I, we, we can build on this. So I'm in favor of the Jaguars being a borderline playoff team this year. Um, Doug Peterson 
ranks where for you on coaching? I almost snuck him into top 10 when we did the top 10s a couple weeks ago. Mostly as a bit. So I've been like sneaking Eagles into the rankings, not intentionally. And I was like, no, I should just mm-hmm. keep doing this. But he's clearly like uh, top 16, right? He's clearly above average. And to me, he's fringe top 10. Uh, and my proximity to the Peterson-led Eagles uh, over the course of like the really good year, the Super Bowl year, and then the subsequent bad years made it clear that like Doug is extremely good at handling his players, handling uh-huh. his offense, and handling his business. When the scope gets wider than that, in terms of like dealing with the general manager, dealing with ownership, dealing with quarterback drama, he had weaknesses. Now he's here in Jacksonville, where like he's got another GM who's just kind of like tyranting over some things. Yeah, no, is it isn't that actually more of a concern? That he couldn't I handle think it's a, I think it's a concern long term. Yeah, I think short term, if it's hey, we have. Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram. We just added all these new pieces and we have a second-year quarterback and we need somebody to make this all work. Doug Peterson was far and away the single best person from college, ex-head coach, you know, offensive coordinator, first-year head coach, whatever paradigm you want. Peterson was far and away the best guy to get into the building to make that work. It's like Peterson's so good at getting you from bad to good. I think it's like the little stuff that gets you from good to great that he wasn't great at in Philadelphia. Curious to see what it looks like here in round two. Okay, so a couple things. Number one, I tried for a about 10 minutes today to talk myself into the New York Giants only because of the day bowl bump from Joe Judge and the fact yeah. that I don't think Daniel Jones is like historically bad. I think Daniel Jones can get to a place of competence and and you could see something. There's just, I, if this is a Buffalo style rebuild, then they're going to view the first year as a bit of a salary cap wash and just say, let's just, let's just hit the, and that's what it button. looks like they're doing. Yeah. But yeah. And that, 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 that's what it is. And, and I, I don't, I don't think they have high expectations, so I'm not going to have high expectations for them, right? That That's kind of where I'm, I'm sitting there. I will say this. Caesars put this out this morning. Uh, the most popular NFL wager by handle in July. You know what it was? Lions over six already? wins, baby. Lions over six wins. I am a part and of that Dan handle, Campbell sir. has drawn the most money for coach of the year. And DeAndre Swift this is unbelievable has drawn the most money overall to lead the NFL in rushing yards. Is this just Detroit people escaping spring? I guess it's July, but like, you know, <laughs> coming over, over over the past couple of months and saying, let's let's get on the DeAndre Swift hype train, Ben Solak. It's an offensive line thing, is what it really is, right? The, that offensive line returns five of five starters and was one of the best offensive lines in the league last year. A healthy Swift is among the league leaders in rushing yards. So the the what the bet is hinging on is not like, is Swift really that good? No, he is. And the line's that good. It's how many games is Swift you actually get. Uh, mm-hmm. Their typical backup running back, no, Jamal Williams is still there, but still, yeah, it's a bet on Swift's yeah. availability. Um, no, I think the Lions win more than six games. I think the Lions have a chance to be plucky. I don't think that'll be as surprising because I've seen so, like Peter King's whole column for Football Morning America, I think this week or maybe it was last week, was like, Lions, baby. And, like, a lot of people, like Eric Eager at PFF, I, at the end of last season, was like, hey, Detroit Lions, baby. Like, I, to me, that's yeah. not as surprising. I think the, the vibes are more clear. Okay, so there's two separate streams here. First is the rebuild is going really well. The second is the rebuild is not even close to complete because they don't have a quarterback. And I don't think the rebuild is going so well they're going to be able to lift Jared Goff into the playoffs. So that, that's, why, that's why I think that they're going to be like a, a nice, inspirational eight-win team and yeah. we're looking for a quarterback next year. And maybe we're talking, when you talk about a couple years away, it's the Lions, not the Jaguars. 
Yes, I agree. I, I very much agree with that, where it's like they're going to be a nice, inspirational, wow, this team's going to look so good when they get a real quarterback, sort of a, 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 a an arc. Okay, let me tell you who's going to make the playoffs. The Miami Dolphins are going to make the playoffs. No, we can't do this. Why can't we do it? Because I'm doing it right now, and you're not stopping me. I, please, the floor is yours. Okay, so upgraded the offensive line, thankfully. Um, to the point that I think Tron Armstead is is really good. There's enough, you know, it's interesting. I, I was reading a little bit about this over the past 24 hours when I was doing research for this. And there's enough first round pick signings where I, I, I feel okay about at least competition at every spot where it's not going to be a complete disaster. Okay. But that's not, that was such a weak link last year that I just had to address that off the top is that the, the offensive line was miserable last year and now it will be below average, average, I don't know, in that zone. And that's all you really need. Mm-hmm. Um, Last year, the Dolphins' defense, uh, fourth in yards allowed per drive. This is from the Football Outsiders Almanac, which did a great job. Fourth in yards allowed per drive, ninth in points allowed per drive, 31st in three and outs per drive. So these drives kept going for a long time. Um, it was h- tough for them to, to get off the field in some points, but they have talent everywhere. They led the league last year in defensive pressure rate, 34%. Okay? Uh, Emmanuel Ogba is better than the way we talk about him. Andrew Van Ginkle. Yeah, he just got an extension. Uh, Agba and Van Ginkle were just one of eight teams with two pass rushers had 30 more hurts. Jalen Phillips is right there. Jalen Phillips is really good. And so you take that, the best defensive defensive pressure rate in the NFL, and pair it with Xavier Howard, where that situation seems settled. Um, Javon Holland, who we all wanted to put in our top 10 last week, didn't, didn't. that secondary can be really good. I, the linebackers know what they're doing. Drum Baker, guys like that. I, there's, there's some confidence there. And then on the offensive side, Mike McDaniel is the perfect coach for Tua. We know what Tua is. I'd rather, listen, would I rather have Justin Herbert? Yeah. But the second best thing if you're going to have Tua is knowing exactly what he is and having some self-awareness about it. Like that, what's your, I think it's misattributed to Mark Twain, but it's the old line, like it's not, it's not what you're wrong about uh, that's the problem. It's it's what you know to be true that just isn't right. Like that's, if you thought Tua was something you're not, that's where a problem shows up. We know it's going to be Raheem Mostert, who, by the way, I just saw has the number one Madden rating for a running back. Congratulations, Raheem. It's um, number it's, one speed rating, right? Oh, speed? Okay. Yeah, yeah, who's number, the speed who's number one running back? Is it? Uh, I would assume it's got to be JT. Uh, but no, we got to... Uh, People forget Raheem Mostert, 60-yard dash at Purdue. Go look up some YouTube highlights. Holy smokes. So it's going to be run-heavy. It's going to be Mike McDaniel knowing what to do. It's going to be Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, near the line of scrimmage. Don't make Tua do anything he can't do. And listen, there's a lot Tua can't do. But Mike, you don't think Mike McDaniel knows that? He's a really good offensive mind. If the defense is taken care of, and I think it will, this is a, this is a 10-11 win team, Ben Solak. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. 
Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, So firstly, Mike McDaniel's the perfect coach for Tua. Even if I agree. And I'm not sure that I do. Okay. You can get this offense, this style, this approach, in for a quarterback who needs it and still not have the immediate success that you want, right? And, and, and I think of, uh, something we talk about with this offense is like, it's kind of plug and chug. You put your mediocre quarterback into this like shanahan sort of approach and then you get a, 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 boot, a bump, a boost. And yeah, it's happened quite a few times, but you go to like New York with Zach Wilson and it's, oh, they had to spend a whole season with this young quarterback figuring out what exactly he liked and what exactly he didn't. Now that offense looks a lot different, right? Like when Michael LaFleur just gets to bop on over to Aaron Rodgers, they figured it out a lot faster, but it still took some time in the first season to like, all right, what buttons exactly do so we're you We're not talking want? about Aaron Rodgers, we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, but while, while jokes about Jimmy are the absolute bomb, and I've been making them and making my career on him for years. To the man's credit, he makes the offense work well because he throws that middle-of-the-field ball with, with the confidence of, like, a Peyton Manning, Johnny Unitas, Joe Namath fusion, man. Like, he, that throw isn't easy in the sense that a lot of quarterbacks will look at it and balk. They won't want to throw it because it's a scary throw around a lot of bodies. And you know who balks at that throw? Tua. He'll throw it short. He won't throw it intermediate. And now you're losing like eight to nine yards on that on that depth. And that matters a lot. That doesn't come out in the wash. So to me, this offense, if for it to work, is going to be so extremely horizontal. And yes, Tua's got a great like release speed. So you can get that ball out horizontal quick. And yes, like Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are extremely fast. But Tyreek actually isn't that good of a yards after catch guy when it comes to short throws because he has to break tackles and break contact. Mm -hmm. He doesn't like doing that. So like those numbers lie to you a little bit. So Tyreek and Waddle, yes, very, very good for yards after the catch. But it's still like, and and, okay, yeah, like, you know, you go go through the data and you can find Tua throwing nine balls. You're throwing, he's like, it's like a three-step rhythm and he's throwing this nine ball on the outside. He can throw it. It's just this offense is going to be short throws and then quick, deep outside stuff. And anything that develops over the middle which is where like the bread and butter mm-hmm. of the McDaniel offense has been, I don't have the faith yet that he makes that throw. And so I think that that while McDaniel and Tua work, I think that there is a longer onboarding experimentation, which button do we press for what process that puts the Dolphins at like a nice two-year arc, but doesn't put them at a strong of a one-year arc. Okay, so I think a couple, I want to take exception with a couple things you said. Okay. For me, Mike McDaniel is the perfect coach because he minimizes Tua. 
Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I don't think there's a coach who's gonna who's gonna turn Tua into the guy. Right. We thought I just he was I think draft. it takes a lot of weeks to figure out how to minimize the guy. I but but yeah. they they sort of did it last year where he became the best RPO quarterback in the history of the NFL. And he against the Panthers, he was 19 of 19 on throws under 2.5 seconds. And you know it was interesting. Ruiz had this data last year, but the the problem with Tua is that when he had dropbacks of longer than 2.5 seconds, his average depth of the target was still like nine and a half which mm-hmm. is almost worse than the league. So he was taking a long time on these developing throws. And this wasn't often. He was obviously getting the ball very quickly. And he wasn't going downfield at all. And so I think, first of all, you just try to try to remove those and do more quick game stuff. And I think that the middle of the field stuff, that's a Mike McDaniel thing. Like that, that's, that's a, you talk about it's a confidence problem. That's coaching. And that, that is squarely on the feet of Mike McDaniel. And I think he can do it. I think that an offensive head coach is probably a good move right now. Um, a guy who's going to be able to to scheme up around him to where Tua doesn't have to do a lot. I think that this can work. And, and I don't, you know, I think that if you want to just rely on the RPO stuff, you can. I don't think it's going to be, certainly it's not going to be as much as last year where they're doing it on more than any team in the history of football. Um, but I, I do think that there are ways to get Tua moving in this offense. And including on the middle of the field. I think our experience of Mike McDaniel's offense as run by Tua is going to give us some clarity on the things that Jimmy Garoppolo actually does well. I think I think yeah. it is so easy to have seen Jimmy in a San Francisco uniform for so long, running that offense for so long, and being like, this offense is just all chain hand. It's all coaching. It's all the theory. And Jimmy just kind of executes. And then I think we'll if, if they're really trying to bring like the Shanahan offense, because again, Michael Floor, who came from that system, is doing different stuff with the Jets. I think if they try to do the exact same Shanahan thing with Tua, it will not work. And I think that'll it'll help us realize just how much Jimmy's blind, undeserved confidence that I can make this throw every time. And it kills him sometimes, but it really does help him in a lot of other contexts. Um, okay. Do you think also, I am a yeah. little bit worried about defense sans Brian Flores, but that's a different conversation. Yes. Well, that, so that was actually my next question is, we, this entire discussion has been about the offense. How good does the offense even need to be if the defense plays up to its personnel. So, you brought up that the Dolphins are the high, one of the highest pressure teams in the league last year. The highest Number one. Numero Number one. uno. Yes. Derek Klassen on uh, uh, Football Outsiders made on Mina, on Mina Kimes' podcast a very good point of saying they, they were a tremendous pressure team uh, last year. They also had like negative, or they had a positive EPA per play allowed when they got pressure. Mm-hmm. Which is like when they got pressure, the offense was generating positive plays. Yeah. And that's because pressure came at such a, uh, a a huge cost to this team because they mm-hmm. blitz like crazy and they play right. man coverage behind it to the point where good quarterbacks can just say, all right, I'm going to find the, the matchup I like the most in man. I'm going to throw it. And if you're pressuring me, all right, this is not going to be a fun game for me. I'm going to hurt at the end of it, but we're going to move the ball. Uh, the, to the degree to which Josh Boyer continues to live by that sword, you're going to get games like you got against the Ravens where they're able mm-hmm. to dominate and they're able to, to just... It, it just absolutely like tsunami, just inundate an opposing quarterback with pressure from every different angle, get him seen ghosts and destroy him. And you'll get games like they've played against like the Titans, or games they've played against Mac, where they just got Mac and the, the Patriots, where they just got diced up because they weren't able to, to kind of get that ball rolling. So it's a very feast for famine sure. defense to the degree to which he moves away from it. Personnel wise, they're not suited for that. They ain't got zone coverage in, in the back. Like I love their, their back seven, but they don't have, mm-hmm. Zayvon Howard, Byron Jones cannot, you cannot like, like, Oh, let's just transition to like being like a, a quarters team. I, that this is not the skill set of the team that's built in that image. So I, they are walking a very narrow 
line there in terms of what they want to be defensive identity, which obviously Boyer was there with Flores, and I imagine that's the side they'll stay on, as opposed to being like, all right, is, is the juice really worth the squeeze here? There's a lot of a cost. That worries me about the defense. Just, it, it invites a little uncertainty that yeah. I'm curious to see how it gets hashed out. I agree with that. They did win eight of their final nine games last year. They started generating turnovers. Name at, the opponents. Uh, Texans, Ravens, Jets, Panthers, Giants, Jets, Saints, Patriots. Not good, brother. Well, they lost to the Titans, who you think are the worst team on that list. That is not true. Titans are <laughs> good team. Be, I, I maintain beating... First of all, again, this is not about a team winning the Super Bowl. This is a team winning 10 games and beating mm-hmm. teams like the Jets and the Texans and the Panthers and the Giants is a, is a good way to do that. Like, beating bad teams is important to your overall mission. Yeah. Um, Mike, no one's ever told Mike Tomlin that, but it's true. Um, the beating, that, that, you know, just yeah, crushing bad teams. You also got to beat the bad teams. You also got to beat the bad teams. Um, I don't, I, I'm not going to penalize them for that. Like, they got better as the season went on. Like, I, I don't, I, that, that was the back half of their schedule. Like they lost, they lost to the Falcons in in week seven. Like what? Like they clearly, it's not like they were crushing. They're getting crushed by good teams. Like they lost to the Jaguars, they lost to the Falcons, they lost to to the Raiders, who obviously were just stuck in the wild card and got better season went along. Lost to the Colts, who weren't a playoff team. So it's not like they had some like you know tale of two halves thing. It was just that they were a bad team in the beginning and a good team at the end. And then they fired their head coach, and they, oh, and then they uh, got. Wrapped up in a, a massive, massive lawsuit. scandal that might end up being the biggest scandal in the history of football. Yeah, I. Other than that, though, yeah, yeah, I hear the 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 Dolphins' arguments they've been made, and I think they are like a, a good like surprise team to like push in that AFC East. I just I, I try to get like it's like you with the Giants. I try to get my head around it, and there's just too much uncertainty for me there. Yeah, I mean the Giants are just a different part of their of their rebuild. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, I'll tell you this, though. I was at a Ranger game a couple weeks ago, and Dave Ball and Joe Shane were one section over. And uh, boy, are they rock stars in New York. Like, like I've never really seen that kind of reaction for like a new, a new head coach who's not like... Like in Miami, yet it was Saban, because mm-hmm. he was like Saban. But it's, it's Brian Dave Ball. Like, it's, he's not some like, you know, rock star savior in the eyes of casual fans. But man, he is a, those guys are gods in New York right now. Who was the last, like, obviously likable New York Giants head coach? Because, like, Dave was just, like, it's, like, a likable guy. Like, I think he's just, like, yeah. he's, like yeah, fun to like. So, um, all right. We had Joe Judge, before him, Pat Shermer, before him, Steve Spagnuolo. Pat, Pat Shermer Pat is a is a really nice yeah, guy. Yeah, it's, like, a fine guy, right. But so he's Shermer, not, like, a, there's not going to be, like, a cult right. of personality. And, but before him was Steve Spagnuolo, Ben McAdoo, Tom Coughlin for a decade, and Jim Fassel. Jim Fassel. Yeah. Dan Reeves, not not a leader of men. Yeah. Ray Handley. I mean, Bill Parcells. But, but yeah. he wasn't, like, likable. He was just a winner. Bill Parcells wrote a book, I believe, called Parcells, that has Solid. so much good stuff about making a team better. It's really astounding. Like, his whole thing is just... The reason he's able to turn around teams, aside from honesty and just telling guys if they're good or bad or exactly, explicitly what to do to become better, that's the biggest thing. But his second biggest thing is like just improve the special teams and you'll get two more wins. Just become an elite. It's so easy to do. You just go out and spend money where nobody else does. You hire like the a good special teams coach, which is easy to do. Like it's such an inefficiency. Just wow. become a better special teams coach and you will immediately become a better special teams unit and you will immediately be a better team than you were if you when you were two and 
15 last year. Green Bay Packers, Super Bowl bound, baby. Rich Passaccia in the that's building. What, dude, that's one of the reasons I'm picking them to win the Super Bowl. Aside from... Spoilers! Uh, I already you said this. Like that, John, ago. for like a big episode. I already did it. Oh, I, meant, I said like, like a month ago. Thanks for the invite. You were there. Oh, I don't listen to you talk, so that would be why. No, no, I don't. Maybe you weren't there. It may have been a me, Nora, and Steven thing. I don't think I, I don't remember there. when I said it. I also said the Chargers are going to be the AFC team. I'm in. I, Chargers AFC championship ticket that I placed in like mid, mid-March, baby. Ben Solak. We'll Devin see Clark. you soon, buddy. We'll probably do this next week. You're going to be back on Friday with Danny Kelly. Uh, we're yeah. going to have a different... Everybody's going to be... Because we're doing so many of these, we're going to be doing rotating cast all the time. We still owe you guys a couple episodes. Um, we're still going to do top 10 quarterbacks with me, Solak, and Ruiz uh, as part of this uh, at a later date. Uh, got some other interviews that we'll, we'll drop as well. Uh, but thanks for listening. Thank you to Spine Anderson for production help with additional production supervision by Arjuna Rimmel. Welcome to the Ringer Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. 